Well, we are uh, starting a series on uh, love. We're continuing a series on love, rather, and I just want to start off uh, by telling you that there are times in people's lives when they just simply need kindness. That's what we're talking about today. And um, I, I want to go back to my trip to Montana. Again, thank you for making that trip possible. Had a great time, a wonderful time, other than the fact that I had four consecutive nights of very little sleep. And I found myself, and I still find myself today, in need of kindness. There are some times when people just, you can just look at them and tell that person needs something kind to happen to them. And after four nights of hardly any sleep, this is what I looked like in Montana. <laughs> some people just need kindness. Okay. I had not, because I didn't have a mirror, so I didn't, but I, that's the first time I'd seen myself in four days. And I went, oh, wow. So I made a little video for um, Lisa. I was going to send it to her while I was still there, but I said, no. I'm smarter than that. Well, we're continuing this series on love. Today, we're looking at kindness. The Bible tells us that... Uh, Love is patient, and love is kind. One day, a man went to the grocery store, and he was buying his groceries, and it ended up the total was $12 more than what he had. He started said, well, I, I've only got so much cash. We're going to have to put some of this back. But the person waiting in line behind him handed him a $20 bill and said, no, don't put anything back. And the guy goes, no, I, I can't take your money. He said, no, you'll understand. I go and visit my mother every day in the hospital, she's battling cancer. And I constantly bring her flowers. But she was upset with me for doing that because I'm spending too much money on flowers. She said, I want you to take that money and I want you to give it to somebody else to help them. So these are my mother's flowers here. Here's the $20 bill, an act of kindness. Another gentleman came out of the store that he'd been in realized he had locked his keys and his cell phone in his car. So he's standing out there trying to figure out what to do. He's very upset. And a young teenager came riding by on his bicycle and noticed the man was very upset and kind of stopped and said, hey, anything I can do to help? He goes, explain the situation. He said, my wife can't even drive the keys to me because this is the only car that we have. So the teenager pulls out his cell phone and says, listen, call your wife. I will ride my bike to your house, get the keys, and come back. He said, that's a seven-mile round trip. He said, I need the exercise. And he did it. Acts of kindness. Things that people do, not really looking for any big results or any big reward, but just simple acts of kindness. Jesus said, about a cup of cold water, if you give a cup of cold water to one of my children, one of the people who are following me, one of my disciples, he said, please understand, you'll not lose your reward. There's this issue of just simply doing the simple, kind, compassionate things to people that make such an impact in their lives. The word tells us God is love and love is kind. That's what 1 Corinthians tells us. That's the, the verses that we're using in this series on love. The Bible says love is patient, which we dealt with last week, and love is kind. We're dealing with that this week. But why is kindness so important to our lives? 
Well, first off, kindness is powerful. The power of kindness goes way beyond what we can really articulate and I believe even think or comprehend. You are the one who is in control of your kindness. Therefore, kindness is powerful. There is power when we are kind and we're conveying that power to another person. The atheistic philosopher Nietzsche, German philosopher, wanted to absolutely do away with Christianity. He wished that we could do away with Christianity because Christians are kind. And Christians help people who need help. Nietzsche's idea was, no, don't help them. We need to get rid of them. And therefore, if we do that, we can create super men, a super type of person that, that isn't weak, that doesn't need any help, that is very self-sufficient. You can see how he was an atheist, very anti-God. And of course, his writings influenced uh, Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, many others. Kindness is powerful because it is the process of giving. It is like the farmer who plants a seed in the ground. He is giving up what he has in hopes of more. He's giving up what he has. He's planting it. It's like a seed that is planted in the heart of a person that says, hey, why would that person be kind to me? Why did that person do that for me? And it begins the process of germination, which then ends up being growth, and growth will obviously one day produce fruit. Secondly, kindness is vulnerable. Jesus understood that when he was kind to the adulterer, to the demon-possessed, to the sick, to the lost, to widows, and even to a thief on the cross next to him, that he would be criticized for it. There were people that didn't understand, and especially the religious people, the Pharisees and Sadducees. He understood that as he's kind to these people that they had rejected, that it was going to put him in a vulnerable situation because they were going to become his enemy. They were his enemy because they didn't recognize him or know them. Jesus was kind to a captain of a slave trading ship in the 18th century named John Newton. Sometimes we hear the story about John Newton. Yeah, he's a captain of a slave, trip, a slave ship. He's trading and transporting these slaves or a horrible person. One night, they were in a bad storm, and he gives his life to Jesus. And the next day, he writes Amazing Grace. But that's not true. What is true is that he had a father who was a seaman. He was a man of the sea. His mother was a Christian, and his mother taught him to read. He taught, read to him the Bible, taught him the ways of Christ, but she died when he was seven. And from that point on, his stepmother and his father did not have that <clears throat> same inclination, and he started going haywire. He started going off in the wrong direction, and he became quite an evil man. But there were times in his life when he was reminded of what the Bible says. He was reminded of how his mother taught him to pray. And he did give his life to Christ, but he continued transporting slaves. He was doing wicked things even though he had surrendered his life to Christ. And he acknowledges that. He said it was kind of confounding to him. 
And yet there was a time when he, yes, was in a storm and he totally surrendered his life to Christ. And yes, that was a change, but it was some time later when he wrote Amazing Grace. You see, it's a mystery to us sometimes why Christians aren't kinder. Or am I the only one in the room with that question? <laughs> it sometimes is just shocking to us that you're a Christian, but you're not kind. What's going on? But yet God in his sovereignty and his love and in his patience, which we dealt with last week, says, okay, I have saved you and it is my desire that love does its work in you, which will then cause you to be kind. Aren't you thankful for last week? God is patient with us. And he keeps working on us and working in us and working on us and working in us until that fruit of the spirit kindness begins to emerge in our lives. And it is a... Reality that the world, many times those who are not followers of Christ, looks at a person who is a Christian but is not kind and has baffled because what they're expecting is this Christian that has just become a Christian. They're expecting an end product immediately. I mean, we don't, we don't have any problem with impatience, do we? Yeah, we want the finished product immediately. And God says, no, I, I've saved you, but now we got some work to do. And so he's still working on us. Wives, God's still working on your husband. Parents, God's still working on your children. Parents, God's still working, I mean, children, God's still working on your parents, right? Still working on all of us to develop love within our life, which then produces that great kindness. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to please turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 19. We're going to read the first 10 verses. We don't have it on the screen, so get your device out or your phone or whatever you got that you uh, read the Word of God on. And uh, we're in Luke, chapter number 19. And this is uh, one of the, I want to say one of the silent acts of kindness that Jesus did, which we begin to quickly see a result now, just as I mentioned, God, take, he works on us over time, and he brings us into that point of love, which produces kindness. But there are some times when the transition is so radical, when a person's life changes so dramatically, that we begin to see an instant kindness. We begin to see an instant uh, gratitude of love and exercise of love in that person's life. And this is the case with a guy named Zacchaeus. Luke chapter number 19, Jesus entered Jerusalem and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot... He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. Now, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too 
is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is a tremendous silent act of kindness that Jesus gave. Call it silent because there's this mystery that we do not know what Jesus said at Zacchaeus' house. We, we, we see the initial encounter, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to your house. The next thing, Zacchaeus is going, okay, I'm giving away half my money. Okay, what happened? So we don't know the conversation that happened in his house. We don't know how long they were there. We don't know what they ate, blah, blah, blah. We don't know any of that. But what we do know is there was a change in his life. And why was that? It was because Jesus decided to show kindness to a person that almost everyone hated. See, here is Zacchaeus. He is right in the middle because he's Jewish, but he's working for the Romans. He's not only Jewish working for the Romans, but he's Jewish working for the Romans collecting money from the Jews to give to the Romans. It's called taxes. But as you're a tax collector, you know, if you just kind of ask for a little bit more, you get it. Because I'm working for Rome. And Rome are the ones who have the soldiers around here with swords and spears. So give me some more money. Not only was Zacchaeus a tax collector, the word says here he was the chief tax collector. He'd been doing this a while. And he was overseeing other tax collectors. He was wealthy. So he's Jewish, so the Jewish people don't like him. You're taking our money. The Romans didn't like him just because he's Jewish. But they needed him. So he's in this particular situation. Zacchaeus is right in the middle can I say he's neither hot nor cold, he's lukewarm? That's a bad place to be. So nobody likes him. But Jesus says, hey, I'm going to your house. And then there's some type of conversation. Something happens. But Zacchaeus comes up and says, wow, this, this is real. I, I can go with this guy because this is real. And I understand that what I've been doing is wrong and I need to change. You know, whenever we show acts of kindness just like Jesus did, We've got to put up with the mutterers, right? You ever heard somebody mutter? Yeah. They don't need any reason. They don't really even need an object. They'll find one. They complained about Jesus who was perfect. They complained about sinners who were not. You, you do the math on that, right? They don't need a reason. They, don't, they just need something to stir them up. Some people just love drama, don't they? They just love something to be stirred up. And if nothing's being stirred up, they're going to get it stirred up because they love drama. And they mutter about people. Don't ever worry about the mutterers. Ignore them. They'll go away. If you don't listen to a gossip, a gossip will go away. I just threw that in there for free. There's no extra charge for that one, okay? That might help you at the office tomorrow. I don't know. The kindness of God was demonstrated to Zacchaeus. There was provision for our lives. That's when God shows us his provision. That's the kindness that God gives us. It's demonstrated to our lives. He shows us his provision. We need to be thankful every day for the provision that God has for us, where he holds back what could bring a devourment, which could eat up what we have. God holds it back. We need to thank God every day for that.
Sometimes people struggle with like tithing, with the, the whole money issue and like 10% and all that. And they're like, oh God, I'm gonna, I, I don't know if you'll provide for me. I don't know if you'll take care of me. And I'm just wondering, is God looking down at that and going, you have a paycheck, right? You're worried about, and I gave you a paycheck. Well, I don't know if God really gave it to me. I got that job. Oh, okay. God provides for us every day, doesn't he? He provides everything we need. We have wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Yes, we go to college or tech school or whatever it is. We go and we get educated and we learn and we grow and we're constantly learning. But God is the one that leads and guides our lives. And so God's provision for us is so bountiful. God brings kindness to our life by healing us in spirit, soul, and body. He brings healing to us. And for the next several moments, I really want to focus on that issue. He brings healing to our lives. Because there are people that really struggle with kindness. There are Christians who struggle with kindness because of hurts that they've experienced in their past. Things that have happened to you, things that people have done, organizations, governments, whatever. And it's like there's a wound, there's a hurt. And when we have those wounds and we have those hurts, we find it difficult to be kind because, it, because we feel as though we need to just simply protect. We, we need to guard what is ours instead of giving what we have, giving the words of affirmation, words of kindness, giving the seven-mile round-trip bike ride to go get somebody's keys, giving a $20 bill to somebody who's in line with us. We feel like we got to protect. we got, we got to hold on. And instead, God is saying, no, I want you to give. But God breaks that. He destroys that bondage in our lives because he brings healing to us, body, soul, and spirit. He gives us a touch. His kindness is given to us through a touch. If you've been in those situations where you're in a problem, and you're praying, oh, God, please take this problem away. And he's saying, I sent that problem. I sent that problem. But I'll be with you in the middle of it. The problem isn't going to last forever. The problem has a season. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. The season's good. That, that problem is going to end, but I'll be with you in the problem. That's called the touch of God. You ever been through that problem? It was like, God, I wish this wasn't happening, but I know that you're with me. Jesus understands that. He dealt with that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, oh, God, Father, really? Could this cup just pass from me? Nonetheless, not what I want, but what you want. It's that touch in the middle of the problem. There's, re there's repentance. The kindness of God leads us to repentance, Romans 2, 4. It is God's kindness. The intention of that kindness is to lead us to repentance. That's why God is kind to people who don't know him, who people who are not following him yet. He's kind to them because he's saying, I want, you, I want you to know I'm a good God. I'm a good father. I'm a good savior. I want the best for you, not the worst. Not, I, don't want these, I don't want you to have a terrible life. I want you to have a great life. And that's what we find in, in Christ. God's kindness is demonstrated thousands of times, but most demonstrably on the cross. It is the means of our conversion to kindness because our conversion is to God. 
Our conversion is not to a denomination or not to a church or not to a philosophy or a way of thinking or even a way of life. Our conversion is to God himself. That's our conversion. And because God is love and love is kind, we are then filled with his kindness. And it has to begin to work its way out. That kindness that we've been given, then we're called to give to other people. The kindness that works its way out just like fruit. Fruit starts as an inside job, but fruit cannot remain on the inside. It must be demonstrated on the outside. A fig tree will produce figs. A orange tree will produce orange. It's an inside job, but fruit always is on the outside. And so kindness starts on the inside, but works its way to the outside. Zacchaeus received God's kindness. We don't know the conversation, but we know he received God's kindness. He was maybe the only one who said, Zacchaeus, I see who you really are. I see the middle part that you're in. I know, I know the awkward situation you're in, but I want you to know something. You're not beyond the help of God. Aren't you glad that you are not beyond the help of God? Aren't you glad that your neighbor is not beyond the help of God? No matter what, what situation you're in or a family member or a neighbor, they're not beyond the help of God. That's the power of God working in us. God's kindness changed his way of thinking. What was it that caused him to change his way of thinking? It was God's kindness. Because he understood, I can trust God. When we withhold kindness, what we're really doing is saying, I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if I can trust him. Because I've got this little bit, but if I give it, then I won't have it anymore. And yet that's the exact opposite of what the Bible tells us. The Bible says the more you give, the more you get. The more you give away, the more you get. And so maybe next time when you're in line at the fast food restaurant, not that you do that every day, but you're in line at the fast food restaurant, just pay for the guy behind you. Yeah, but what, what if? No, you can trust God. That's what Zacchaeus came to realize. I can trust God. So I can change my way of thinking. Yes, I've got this money, but whoever thinks it's enough, right? Or I'm the only one. I got all this money, but I, I don't know. Am I going to outlive my money? He says, no, I, I'm going to change the way I think because I can trust God. I'm going to give away half my money right now. Boom, gone, out. And then in the future, I'm going to deal with people in a different way. So he changed his thinking. I can trust God. I'm asking you that question. Can you trust God? The answer is yes. But are you living that way? Are you living in a way that you say, I can trust God? The evidence of that is in kindness. The proof of that is in kindness. The second thing that Zacchaeus changed was his behavior. He says, I'm giving half my money away right now. And in the, in, in the future, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, man, you took too much, I'll give them four times as much. He says, I can trust God. I can trust God right now, but I can also trust him for my future. You imagine that, making an announcement like that? If I've, if I've taken too much from anybody, I'll give them four times as much. I wonder how many people lined up the next day. <laughs> people are people, right? 
He says, I can trust God. Do you know that you can trust God? I'm here to tell you today, you can. You can trust God. Kindness acts now while looking to the future. Kindness is an act right now, but it's always about, okay, what, what am I doing this for? I'm doing this because of what God has done in me and also because of what I want God to do in someone else's life. Kindness acts now. Now, the kindness of the world, let's just deal with the 400-pound gorilla in the middle of the room. The kindness of the world says, hey, I can't ever tell you that you're wrong. The kindness of the world says, hey, we just all need to get along. Whatever you're doing is fine with me. I just, I want to be kind. I don't want to ever tell anybody that they're wrong. I don't want to ever, I don't want to ever have that awkward conversation. So everything that you do is okay and everything that I do is okay. We'll just be kind to each other. Hello? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's all just, you know, hey, hey, we're all good. Everybody's good. No. No. Kindness. If you're having problems and you have a test run, the test comes back cancer, you meet with the doctor, you don't know what he's going to say, you don't know what's going on, you know something's wrong, but you don't know what's going on. The doctor comes in, he said, you know, it's right there on his chart, this person has cancer. And he goes, man, if I tell him that, that's going to hurt, that's going to hurt. I'm not going to tell them because I want to be kind. There's sometimes when you just need to say, you know what? This is your problem, but there's a solution. This is your problem, but there's a way out of this. This is your problem, but I'm with you. I'm not going to give up on you. We're going to walk through this together. This is the problem. You have a problem, but let's get on with the solution. Am I talking to the right people today? So kindness Acts now, but looks to the future. You're not helping anybody by not talking about problems. we got to deal with the problems. We speak the truth in love. Zacchaeus started living God's plan for his life. And what was that plan for his life? How did he do that? Because he started to take dominion of his life. Genesis 1, 26, we see that what God says was, let them have dominion. He created Adam and Eve before they had fallen, before they had sinned. And he says, let them have dominion. I love that first word there, let. It didn't, it, it, he didn't say, I want them to buck up with all they have, and I want them to take dominion. He said, just let them have dominion. He says, we've had dominion, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now we're going to let them have dominion. We're going to let them make make some decisions. We're going to let them name all the animals. We're going to let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. So what Zacchaeus did was begin to do that. He says, listen, I have been under bondage of fear. I've been under bondage of, of an unhealthy view of money, but now I'm going to take dominion. First, I'm going to take dominion of myself, which is vitally important. So many times people want to take dominion of everybody else instead of themselves. Y'all are quiet today. Yeah, Proverbs uh, tells us, 16.32 tells us, uh, the one who has self-control is greater than the one who takes a city. And Zacchaeus says, I'm taking, I'm taking dominion over my life. I, I don't fear anymore. I trust God. Therefore, I'm taking dominion over my life. And I'm giving away my money. 
dominion always has an activity. He took dominion over his life. What are you doing? You say, well, I just can't be kind. You're just as kind as you want to be. You're just as loving as you want to be. You're just as holy as you want to be. And I think there's some people here today who says, you know what? Yeah, I'm a kind person, but God's got more. I want to I raise my level of kindness. I want to raise I want to be kinder to people who I did not used to be kind to. There's some people I, I, I love being kind to these people, but I avoid those people. And now God is challenging you to say, hey, do you trust me? You can be kind to those people too. And that's what Zacchaeus did. He took dominion so that he would say, yes, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, the weapons that we fight with have divine power. Divine power. And what is that power? To demolish strongholds and bringing every imagination, every thought into obedience to Christ. We cast down those thoughts that say we can't trust God. We cast down those thoughts that say, I don't need to be kind to that person. We cast down those thoughts and because we're taking dominion of our own life. And that's what Zacchaeus did. That's what God's calling us to do. So that we become the kindest people in this community. We're not in competition. We just become the kindest people that we possibly can, which causes us to become the kindest people in this community. We're not in competition. We're here to say, I'm taking dominion over my life, and therefore I will be kind. I will be kind because I can trust God. I can trust God because he's been kind to me. You see how it works. So being kind comes down to saying, God, work your kindness in me, which is love. Work your kindness in me, and I acknowledge what you've done. And now, God, I want to take dominion, and I want to be kind to the people who I was not kind to before. How does that happen? It happens just like Zacchaeus with a conversion. Jesus made an announcement. He said, salvation has come to this house. Salvation, conversion. It's come to this house because Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham, just like all the rest of you Jewish people are. I know you don't like him, but salvation has come to him. He's a son of Abraham. I'm going to ask you this. Are you in a place of conversion right now? Are you in a place where you say, you know what, I'm, I'm converted. I, I know Christ in my life. Are you just kind of on the fringes, on the outside looking in? And God is saying, I want to pull you in. You've been on the outside looking in. Nothing wrong with that. Investigate. Check it out. Look at it. Examine it. Study it. All of Christianity. Nothing wrong with being on the outside. But there's something wrong with staying there. Are you ready to make the transition into the kingdom of God? Aren't you thankful for God's patience? He lets us stay on the peripheral. He doesn't mind that at all. He says, check it out. Look into it. But eventually he says, come, let's go. I'm asking you to step over that. I'm calling you to step over that line from just spectator into participant. Have you done that? Well, you can do that today. You can say, okay, God, I've checked out Christianity. I've checked out all this stuff. The truth claims are real. And I want to make that transition. I've seen your kindness. I've experienced your kindness. And now, Lord, I want to be the child of God that you've destined for me to be.